We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The first bit of news that we're going to get into is Notre Dame was ranked number five in the preseason USA Today coaches poll. It is the highest preseason ranking for Notre Dame since 2006 when the Irish were ranked third. That was obviously Brady Quinn's final season. And I, I think I do think, Ryan, it's the fourth straight year that Notre Dame has been in the preseason top 10. They were seventh last year. But in an offseason where we kind of felt, and especially Notre Dame fans, really felt like Notre Dame was kind of being disrespected a little bit, I think this is a really fair rating for Notre Dame coming into the season. Being fifth, two of the opponents they play this year were ranked ahead of them. Ohio State was second. Clemson was fourth. USC was 15th. I'm sorry for chuckling as I said that. And then BYU was the fourth highest team in the others receiving votes. So four opponents in the top 30, two in the top five, three in the top 15 for Notre Dame, Ryan. But I, I do think this was a this was a fair ranking. I think this is probably where I would have Notre Dame at going into yeah. the preseason. And it matters more, right? Because it's the coaches poll. Like that's what I mean, I think that that is the I think that's a better assemblance of like where the the program currently is or at least where it's it can viewed. be. Right. Yeah, if how it's viewed exactly because I mean, I know we're media, so like it's kind of pushing back a little bit, but some of these media polls that we see pop up are just kind of like I don't understand how you got there, right? So I think it's a good look on Notre Dame. Number five is a good place to start. I, I think that the expectations are what it should be. You know, like again, we we give we give the previous regime the we give them the credit that they deserve. They got Notre Dame back to where they should be considered a top 10 level team every single year to begin the sure. year. That's fantastic. Number five, though, I think is a really nice start for where this team can be and what yep. this team can become. So I was overall very happy. I actually thought the coach's poll was pretty reasonable. Compared with the to exception, with the exception oh. of someone putting Texas number one, that's yes. got to be well, Steve Sarkeesian. Yes. And he's going to give some, oh, I think, you know, we're the best thing, which is like, dude, if that's how you view the poll, then stop voting in it. You know, <laughs> I mean, but uh, that's assuming it's him. It may not be him. It may be somebody else. And and But I think five is good. I think five is fair. They weren't that far off from number four, Clemson. I think they were, you know, if I'm doing the math correctly, about 72 points behind 
Notre Dame was about 52 points ahead of number six, Michigan. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're close. And then there was a big jump in the top three. Like you, it was really close between Ohio state and Georgia two and three. I, the only, the only couple little kind of disagreements I would have with the poll overall, and none of them are, are huge. I understand why people have USC 15th and I, and I actually don't have a problem with it. I, I wouldn't put USC 15th, but I'm not against it because they did get so much talent. And of course the, you know, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, but you know, they mm-hmm. also got Mario Williams and uh, uh, I always forget his name, the running back from Oregon. And I can't Travis die. Travis die. Yeah, they Dye. got Brendan Rice from Colorado, Terrell Bynum from Washington. You know, they got Bryson mm-hmm. Shaw who started in the secondary for Ohio state last year. He was an okay player, but he's better than what they had. Shane Lee from Alabama at line. Right. And so, man, I'm I'm okay with it. I don't, I wouldn't go there, but I'm okay with it. 15th is far more reasonable than when ESPN had them like third in their, you know, in their updated rank preseason rankings. I'm fine with Michigan being number six. I think Michigan's off defense is going to take a step back. I think their offense is going to take a step forward. You know, we'll see how they handle the coaching turnover that they had as well. And their schedule's soft. I I mean, so I think that's reasonable. A&M at seven is a, a joke. They have no business being seven. A lot of the other rankings, I mean, Baylor 10. I wouldn't put Baylor that high because of how much they lost, but I think they earned it by how well they played last year. I think they, you know, I'm, sure. I'm fine putting them in the top 10 because they were a really good football team last year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, some of the others are, are, you know, Michigan State at 14, I'm good with. Pitt at 16, I would I would not have Pitt that high because of what they lost. I mean, they lost their OC, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison. They lost a lot. And I think I think if team. I heard – I think if I heard yesterday, Brian, I don't know if it was serious, but did you see that Keaton Slovis got carted yeah. off, the, off the practice field too? Wait, so Keaton like... Slovis got hurt? No way. <laughs> I am floored. <laughs> I know. I'm being a jerk. I am. At, la- at least it's like... not – at least it's not a shoulder injury. He's had like a million shoulder right. injuries. But that's but... the thing. He's never stayed healthy. I mean, yeah, well, I his freshman year, he's never stayed healthy. But for that's the most true. part, the rest of the rankings I was fine with. You know, Iowa not being in the top 25, I probably would push back against. I, I would have Penn State in the top 25, but they've gone 11-11 and 11 the last two years. I'm cool with them. They're 27th. 
Tennessee 28th. I thought that's one I probably, I would have, there's some teams in there. I would put Tennessee over in my opinion with what they have coming back. But for the most part, I I was comfortable with the rankings. There wasn't anybody. I was like, Whoa, why is that team not in there? Or man, like that team should be in there. Some teams that maybe should have got more votes, but I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. You know, some disagreements here and there, but it's not like blasting. I was, I was surprised they put Miami at 17th, but I actually think that's fair. I think Miami's going to be a good football team. Miami had talent last year. They just weren't coached very well. Well, I, fair. I think Mario Cristobal has proven he's a good football. Is he a great football coach? We'll find out. He's a good football coach. He did a good job at Oregon. So I thought that was a really one of the better offseason hires. Here, here's the interesting thing about this. When you look at the rankings, like there's been a lot of talk about Notre Dame's coaching turnover this offseason. But what's not being discussed enough is a lot of teams went through a lot of coaching turnover this offseason. Just look at the, the – I mean, Alabama is – they lost Doug Marone and mm-hmm. one other coach, but not like high-profile coaches. I actually think Alabama upgraded with their offensive line coach when Doug Marone left. But Ohio State replaced almost their entire defensive staff and their offensive line coach. Number they're number two. Georgia lost a lot of coaches, right? I mean, we'll, um, yep. their offensive line coach retired. Their receivers coach went to LSU. Dan Lanning left to go take the head coaching job at Oregon. He took some people with him. They had a lot of coaching turnover this offseason. Clemson replaced a ton of their coaches as well. Lost Brent Venables, uh, mm-hmm. lost uh, Tony Elliott. Both of them got head coaching jobs. They replaced their offensive line coach. They had a lot of turnover this offseason. Michigan at number six didn't have as much turnover, but it was key turnover. And I think Mike McDonald leaving, they lost both of their coordinators. I mean, of the teams in the top six, if I'm correct, you know, most of them only have one coordinator coming back. Some lost both. You know, Texas A&M lost a lot of players and they lost Mike Elko, which is a big, big one for, for them. Utah has a lot coming back. Oklahoma has a brand new coaching staff at number nine. And then Baylor has a lot coming back from a coaching standpoint, but there's a lot of flux, like a lot of turnover from a coaching standpoint, which we look at it on our show from how it affects Notre Dame. But I think it's got to be somewhat negated by the fact that a lot of teams are going through coaching turnover. Now the difference is, is Notre Dame and, I believe Notre Dame and Oklahoma are the only two top 10 teams that had a head coach different change, head coach, yeah. which is yeah. a little bit of a different part of the conversation. For sure. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, anytime that you are able to retain your head coach that has had success and then, you know, just kind of move some parts around underneath them, I think that it's definitely a different layer than a brand new coaching staff, obviously. So it's, it's definitely a little different, but I mean, I mean, like, Michigan, right? Like Michigan's one, and I'm I'm not just gonna try to you know throw some shade at Michigan, mm-hmm. but it's like you lost. McDonald did a great job with their defense last year, like quietly. I mean, so well that he just went from the Baltimore, uh, you know, from a Michigan defensive coordinator to the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator yeah. in one season right. at Michigan, which is pretty outstanding. I know he was the linebackers coach at, with the Ravens before that, so he had some kind of you know some relationships with the staff and all that good stuff, but. I mean, that that's a massive turnover in one offseason, like you said. And Dan Lanning, I mean, everyone talks about the Georgia defense that they just had last year, and deservedly so. It was a mm-hmm. fantastic unit. Well, you just lost the guy that kind of orchestrated right. that a little bit, right? So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of I think transition. the pushback that people will make there is, well, Kirby's yeah. still there, which, okay. Sure, I mean, sure. fine. I get that. Fine. I get that. Right. I get that. 
Yeah, yeah. it makes total sense. I mean, it, it, but it's but it's Dan Lanning plus how many draft picks from the defense? So I think that I, I think your point's yes. valid, Ryan. I was just kind of given a bit of a devil's advocate, but yes, no, it, I guess some that. very key losses and Brent Venables from Clemson. It's mm-hmm. a huge loss. They have been a defensive driven team. Yes. I mean, I would argue it's a much bigger loss for them than Mike McDonald to Michigan because Mike McDonald was only there for a year. Now I think you're spot on. I think he made that deep. The thing is they, they did more last year with less talent than they had done the previous two or three years with more talent on defense. I would argue. Because yeah. they were so undisciplined under Don Brown. Mm-hmm. And where last year, one thing I thought he brought to the table was very much of a, hey, we have good players. Let's put them in position to be successful and not try to make this about how smart I am. And they right. were a fun, much more fundamentally sound team. Stopped giving up the big plays. And I think that was a big part of it. And how's the replacement going to be? You know, we, we we don't know the answer. But there are so many questions, in my opinion. I mean, even getting out of the top 10, you know, Oklahoma State lost their defensive coordinator. Oregon law is totally turning over staff and they hired a, a young unproven head coach as well, just like Notre Dame. And, and I actually like the fact that the coaches poll didn't punish all those teams that hired new coaches and, you know, in first year coaches, I actually kind of in, in, enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and I look forward to, to Brian, to, to, I don't want to call them flash in the pan, but I look forward to seeing some of these teams. You mentioned Baylor for one, right? It's like, I like Dave Aranda. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think he's a I think he's a really good coach. But man, that season that Baylor just kind of had, that screams potential regression pretty quickly. Yeah. With how much they lost in one offseason. I think they'll be good long term, but I it, you just can't convince me that Baylor's gonna lose so much talent in one offseason, they're right. just gonna reload. Like they're not right. to an Alabama or Georgia level, obviously, in that department. Like that's just gonna be that's gonna be a lot of turnover. I mean, they lost right. leading tackler, Terrell Bernard. They lost their their best maybe defensive player in a Jalen Petrie. They lost mm-hmm. both running backs, Abram Smith. They lost their Abram wide Smith receiver. Yeah, Abram Smith they really lost their good. top two receivers because the other kid yes. transferred to Colorado, right? I think I think the top three because even that kid that transferred from the Ivy League or whatever kid? was, okay. yeah, I'm pretty so sure he was he's done? gone too. Okay. I actually heard this. I heard this stat yesterday about Baylor. Their leading returning receiver is Ben Sims, who was their tight end last year. Their leading returning wide receiver. If you don't count Josh Fleeks, who's kind of a running back wide receiver hybrid, sure. had one reception last year. So they have complete turnover of that offensive unit, and they have that quarterback Blake Sh- uh, Shapin, I think his name is. That, yeah, that took over started the, the Big game. Twelve title or Big Twelve title yeah. game actually. Yeah, yeah. So the Big Twelve started the Big Twelve title game and then played in the bowl game. He's going to be the starter now, and he's a question mark for now. I mean, like yeah. I liked some of the stuff he did in the Big Twelve yeah. title game. I thought he had a pretty nice game, but there's a lot of turnover for a team yeah. that has kind of. I mean, for now, they're a flash in the pan for a year sure. until we see if there's sure. consistency on that end. Yeah, because they were, what, 2-7 and seven the year before, right? And that was his first year. So, But my whole thing is, is if you're going to say that about them, I think you need to make a similar argument about Michigan State. Bad team the first year under a new head coach, lost a lot from last year's team. Uh, so, But that's what makes it interesting. I'll ask you this, Ryan, before we kind of wrap this part of the subject up. How much do you put on what a team accomplished the year before? Because I think this is the hard part of of doing a preseason ranking. I think that you need to try to project what you think a team will be. Sure. But I also believe that there's a level of last year has to matter to a degree as well. And, and, you know, for example, like for me, there's only been one time in recent seasons where I wouldn't put the defending champ number one. 
I would have had Georgia number one simply because I know they lost a lot, but you and I would look at their roster and say, but they got a lot coming back. And they had a lot of injuries last year, which meant guys got playing time that otherwise wouldn't have got playing time. You know, George, not having George Pickens last year hurt them last year at times, but it's going to help them this year because a lot of guys got playing time that, that wouldn't have otherwise got playing time. Helped Bama too because it allowed Jermaine Burton to break out. Now he's going to Bama. Sure. I'm a big believer that the champ is still the champ unless there's crazy turnover. I'm not going to argue with Georgia not being one, though. I would have put him one, but I'm not going to argue with that because it's very similar to what 2019, where LSU has this tremendous run. I wouldn't have put LSU number one the next year. They lost all those draft picks, plus they lost yeah. a lot of the coaches. The difference between Georgia and LSU, however, is Georgia's been a really good team every year. LSU was, was kind of a mess until that one year, and then they went back to being a mess. Right. Georgia was riding momentum into a right. historic year. <laughs> LSU was kind of like, eight and four one year, 10 right. and two the next, seven and five. Like they were just kind of a very fluctuating team. And I think that part of your, your response, Brian, which is why I would also would have been okay with Georgia being number one to start is the fact that we saw them have injuries just last year and then overcome things. So you say like, how much turnover can Georgia handle in a year? Well, we just saw it during a season, right? Like Adam Anderson at one point was your best pass rusher. He gets hurt. Robert Beal comes out of nowhere. He hasn't done anything in like four right. years. All of a sudden, he's your leading sacker. So they've shown that they can kind of handle some of those some of those injuries and some of that turnover. So I would have been okay with that personally. I mean, to answer your question, I'll say this. I think that you always have to take I – mean, because it's like a baseline thing, right? It's like, oh, how is your momentum building, right? It's like if you came off a 12-2 and two season, it's like that's a really nice baseline to start with. And in theory – you would hope that it would kind of even improve from there. But I think for me, it's I'm, I care more about what percentage of production do you have coming back, mm-hmm. right? Like what guys do you have coming back? It's like, I mean, like Baylor that we just talked about, right? They just had a great season. It's right. a great season, but you're returning all your leading receivers, your leading runners, your leading tacklers. That team is depleted. And I don't think that they're right. to the degree where you can just say like, oh, they'll turn it around. Quick. Right. They got guys waiting in the wings. Like it's, it's an individual by individual basis, but I do think production percentage coming back should matter. Production and trends for me. Yes. Because my, my counter argument, it, it, my shallow counter argument to you would be, well, Hey, Notre Dame lost a lot. Notre Dame went ranked in the one twenties last year in returning production. They lost their starting quarterback. You know, they lost their best receivers. They lost their two starting. I mean, but the difference is, is, number one, Notre Dame had been good for a number of years. They have recruited to the level where their program was established. They had had a head coach there for a while. You could you could convince, as we did last year, you would convince people that this is not a rebuilding year. It's a reloading year. Yes, you lost Dalen Hayes. You're replacing him with a better player or a more talented player, with all due respect to, to him. You, you know, you lost Nick McLeod, but you're replacing him with an even more talented player. You know, and, and that was, you know, yes, you lost Javon McKinley. You're replacing him with Kevin Austin. And so you can't make that argument for Baylor yet because Dave Aranda right. is just going into his third year. His full, his first full recruiting class are going to be sophomores this year. Mm-hmm. His first partial recruiting class is only going to be juniors this year. So, I mean, that's the, that, so I think, like you said, you got to have some context for it and, and, you know, and it's got to be a team by team basis, which is why, again, I'm OK with Michigan being number six. Right. I, I'm OK with with, oh, you know, Georgia not being number one. I mean, the I think Cincinnati should should have been higher, but I'm not going to I'm not going to crush them for that because they lost a ton. And it goes to your argument. Is Cincinnati the kind of program that can just reload? I don't know. I tend to think yeah. they will, especially since the schedule they play. 
Sure. So I would have had him in the top 15. I'm not dropping him from like fourth to 22nd like this poll did. <laughs> I think right. it's more of a group of six kind of, you know, they're not in the Big 12 yet. It's kind of a group of five, you know, disrespect. But, I mean, they did lose a lot, and they they fit under your category. of. But is that the kind of program that can just reload the way that Notre Dame – they're not going to re- reload with Sauce Gardner the way that, you know, Alabama or Georgia or Notre Dame might when they lose a stud. You know, right. it's just a different animal. So it was, I thought, but again, overall, Ryan, I thought they were fair rankings and it's going to be interesting to see them play out. And I'll tell you what, it's going to create some really fun early season matchups. Yep. You're going to have number two versus number five in the opener. And then I think a week later, uh, you have Georgia and, and Oregon are supposed to play, which is a three versus 12 matchup. So mm-hmm. there's going to be some really fun fun early season battles for between highly ranked teams, which is going to make it even more fun. I love when that stuff happens. And Texas is going to play Alabama. During that's right. So that's too, 18 right? so, versus yeah. one. That'll be in what week two or week three. I forget when that one will be. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, it's somewhere in that run that ballpark. It's, it's going to be fun, man. I mean, like yeah. you said, I think it, I think it's more than anything, Brian, it's just some teams are going to have the bullseyes on their back early on, you know, and then it's going to be the, Teams that are going to try to prove that they can be have some some sustainability at Mm -hmm. at that spot. I mean, can Baylor do what they did again? We keep mentioning. Uh, I think about, you know, the Michigans of the world. Can they Mm -hmm. sustain what they did last year? Can, you know, there's a lot of question marks for me, and I'm looking forward to seeing it because I do think there is a lot of uncertainty about, you know, some sustainability for some teams. Mm -hmm. And, I'm interested to see because I've seen somebody in the chat a couple of times saying that they think Georgia's going to regress. I want to see how much, if any, is, right. is that regression, right? I mean, it's, they'll, it's great, they'll great regress, question. but does that mean that they regret? Because here's the thing. If they make the playoff and lose in the semifinals, that's regression. I mean, the only way they can't regress is by not winning the title again. So the question right. then is how much regression will it be? Will right. it be a 10-2 and two season? Well, it's an 11 and one with a, you know, I mean, that's going to be the interesting thing. I do think Georgia is going to regress because for two reasons, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year overall. And I think other teams are going to get better, you know, sure. so I, and their schedule is a little bit different, you know? And so I, I do agree that Georgia mm-hmm. is going to regress, but I, I still think Georgia is going to be a, a, a top five to eight program at worst this year. You know, when you look right. at their schedule, I just, I don't see a lot of games where I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to lose that one for sure. You know, right. I mean, there's games in their schedule where you can say, okay, I could see them losing that. Sure. But I could have made that argument last year as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think Georgia is going to be pretty good. I mean, you look at their their season, their toughest road game is probably at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They don't get Alabama in a crossover, which they hardly ever get Alabama in a crossover. They don't get Texas A&M in a crossover. They don't get LSU in a crossover. Their crossover games against the West are against Auburn and Mississippi State. And so the schedule's set up well for Georgia as well. And I'm really curious to see how that opener goes against Oregon. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to see, do they come out and and just stomp Oregon, or is it going to be a sloppy game? And, you know, just kind of how are they going to be offensively? They play South Carolina on the road in two weeks. That's going to be a – that's a team I'm really curious about this year. I have no clue how they're going to be 
But they're gonna. I'll tell you this: they're gonna have better athletes this year than they did last year. I, I heard. I uh, heard Spencer Rattler yesterday is oh, dealing man. in practice, man. Heard he's yeah. dealing. <laughs> he'll be fine. I mean, he'll be fine. We had him well. as a top fifteen quarterback. It's just yeah. The, some of the hype on him just it just gets annoying. So if there's one team, Ryan, and I didn't give you a heads up on this, if there's one yeah. team that you look at and say that that's not in the top twenty five, that you would say I am. If we're sitting here in a in a you know because we're gonna do an Irish breakdown top twenty five. Is there one team that you would look at and say that team to me, I am pounding on the table that that team has to be in the top 25. Would there be that team for you? This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned them already, but Tennessee's my team. Mm-hmm. Would you say they were at 28, right? I think on the list. Or yes, third, like that. Third, third in the most uh, received, but they weren't really close to being in. They were yeah. almost 100 points behind Houston who was 25th. I'll say this, man, that team has a lot of talent coming back and they were a tough out last year. So I think they're going to take a step forward. I mean, you had your quarterback back in Hendon Hooker running back Jabari Smalls back Cedric Tillman at wide receivers back, who was a dog last year. Mm -hmm. Defensively, you have Byron Young, Tyler Barron coming back at defensive end. There's a lot back from this Tennessee team. Your best offensive lineman Darnell Wright's back for another year. So I think that two of their system. Right, that matters. System under Josh Heupel, yeah, I I think that that team has a lot of talent coming back. And I thought you, I honestly, again, I know some people are going to say like, oh, maybe last year was a little bit of an admiration, and they come back to reality a little bit offensively. But I, I think that they have a lot of makings of being a really tough team again this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they they eke out a couple victories in the SEC this year, where you're just kind of like, oh, okay, Tennessee actually is back. Yeah, like they're here. They're here to stay a little bit. So I like yeah. the roster they have coming back. I think they have a lot of production coming back. I, I really do like what the volunteers could do this year. I think their schedule sets up favorably as well. You know, they get Pitt on the road early, which they should beat Pitt. I mean, Pitt loses a ton. They they should win that game. They get Florida at home. Then they have a bye week to play at LSU. They get Alabama at home. They get Kentucky at home. They get Missouri at home. You know, they got to play LSU on the road and then George on the road. But, like, it's almost one of those things where, I, like I've said, I would rather play a team like that on the road and then get somebody that's more beatable at home, you know, in, in that scenario. So it's a it's going to be a challenging schedule. I mean, you play Florida and the, the teams in the East. You get Alabama to crossover, which is always the case because they have one of those traditional non-division rivals, which I, I wish they, you know, I, I enjoy those. They get Missouri at home. They play at South Carolina and at Vanderbilt. I mean, it works out kind of favorably to me for them to have a, a bounce back season. So yes, I would have a, 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 I would have Tennessee in the top 25. I think the team that I would probably pound on the table, probably a little bit more would be, uh, mm-hmm. would, would either be, I would take one of the big 10 teams, either Iowa or, 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 uh, or Michigan, uh, excuse me, Iowa or Penn state. And I'd probably go, I'd, I mean, just win 10 games. They just won 10. Games yeah. They just won the West, yeah. right. They didn't yeah. lose a lot from that team. You know, yeah. I mean, they've got a, a decent amount of players coming back, which we've talked about. I, I I don't understand why they weren't getting more love. I mean, look, my prediction for the team that wins the Big Ten West is Nebraska. There's no way I'm putting Nebraska in the preseason top 25. That was kind of more yes. of like, hey, let's kind of have a fun and project. You know, but but Iowa was our number two. And, and when you, again, when you look at their schedule, there's no Ohio State. 
there's no Michigan. There's no Michigan State. Their only tough, real, real tough crossover game, in my opinion, is Penn State. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of their schedule is they got Iowa State on the road. Iowa State loses a ton. And Iowa State has not been great against Iowa recent seasons. They get Kent State and Colorado State. They play at Maryland, home against Purdue, at Wisconsin, be tough. Uh, at Northwestern, win, and then they get Minnesota and Illinois at home before they go at Nebraska. Oh, I'm sorry. That was last year's schedule. I'm reading last year's schedule because I was going over it. So, excuse me. They play Iowa State at home this year. They get Michigan, but there's no Penn State. There's no Michigan State. There's no Ohio State. They get Mm -hmm. Wisconsin at home. Oh, they play at Ohio State. Excuse me. They get Wisconsin at home. They get Nebraska at home. They play at Purdue, who I think is going to be down this year, and then at Minnesota are going to be a good team so their schedule as we talked about in our big 10 show a couple weeks ago is not easy at all but yeah. there are some things that work for their favorite like i said if you're going to play a team that you know is going to beat you no matter where they play i'd rather get them on the road and that's true this year with ohio state for sure and so you you know oh to me michigan is going to be a lot more beatable for iowa and don't think that that team doesn't remember the beat down that they got handed in the big 10 title game they're, they're going to be ready for that one because they got a beat ugly, down in the Big Ten title game by Michigan. Well, you get Michigan yeah. at home now this year, which is going to make it really interesting. But it, I would have them in the top 25. I would probably drop out. Honestly, I'd probably drop out. Houston, I would consider dropping out, but they got a lot coming back. I, I like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I like what Doug Belt's doing, that Belk is doing there defensively. I'd probably drop out Ole Miss honestly, or I'd drop out Wisconsin. There's there's no justification for me for Wisconsin being ahead of Iowa. What do you mean? Graham Mertz me. is back again. Yeah, Graham I just, I can't see it. Yeah, I can't yeah. see it. I mean, they yeah. were a better, I know, I know Wisconsin won the head-to-head, but Iowa was the better team last year. They had the better record that took by a couple games. Right. So I, I, I just can't go with that. But I know it, Wisconsin's the darling. You know, I mean, they were in the top 10 of the SP plus for however, I mean, they kept losing games. But kept being in the SP, you know, we're projecting they're eventually going to start winning games, right? Yeah. So that was a bit a bit of nonsense. I'll say this though, their running back is pretty special though. Oh yeah. Kid. Oh man. Well, and oh boy. I'll be honest with you, Ryan. If they if yeah. they, I, I there was a time last year during that late season run where I would have if they would have continued that, I would have a different argument than what I made now because they were starting to really roll late last year and i'm like man this okay was this is the wisconsin people thought they were going to see mm-hmm. and you know you kind of look at they they beat you know they beat illinois beat army beat spanked purdue spanked iowa killed rutgers killed northwestern beat nebraska which i mean last year against nebraska was just just survive survive in advance against nebraska right yep. and then they go out there and 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 just get kind of embarrassed by minnesota at the end of the year and it's just kind of like mm. You know, you guys had your chance, and then they had a real ugly win over just a bad Arizona State team. Yes. And it's just like, I, you're still that schizophrenic team to me a little bit. I can't figure you out. And that's why I just I can't jump on board with Wisconsin yet. They got, a, they got a little something to prove to me, to be honest with you. I mean, and look, they lost four games last year. Three of their four games, the losses were by double digits. Yes. So, you know, that's just I got I to gotta see more from them before I'm Fair. ready to have them ahead of Iowa. Wisconsin and Iowa are both like kind of in the same boat for me because right. they're just so bad offensively, man. Like yeah. both teams are just not good. If they got consistent quarterback play and just were a good, solid offensive team, they would be a dangerous team because you yeah. know Iowa and Wisconsin are always going to play good defense. Yeah. They're not going to kill themselves on special right. teams either. Like fundamentally, they're going to be good. It's just 
I mean, I can't watch Spencer Petras or Graham Mertz play quarterback oh, anymore, yeah. man. Like it's it's bad. It's really really bad. And I think that would be the one thing that I would say if you were going to make that case for me, which quarterback do I have more faith is going to have a, a a better a breakout season this year? It'd be it'd be Graham Mertz because I just don't think Spencer Petras more talented. Is, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I just don't think the other kid is just that good. But the other thing too, is I still think Wisconsin is writing and I made this argument last year, right? If you remember, I kind of pushed back on the whole Wisconsin being a top 15 team last year. I was like, no, they're not, that's not who they are. And I felt like people were still kind of living on what they had been in the past. But, but my point was, if you look at two of the previous three years, they weren't very good. They had that one good year with Jack Cohn, a quarterback where they went to the Rose bowl but they they ended up losing you know their last two games that year. But then yeah. the year before in 2020 they went four and three during the COVID year, and they and it was an ugly four and three. You know you beat Illinois, you beat a terrible Michigan team, you beat Minnesota in overtime, nice bowl win over Wisconsin. But then you got spanked by Iowa, you got you lost to Indiana, and you lost by ten on the road to Northwestern. Mm. And then the year before that they were they were uh, eight and five in 2018, and then last year they go nine and four. Where if you look at Iowa the last few years, they went six and two during the COVID year, and that was sandwiched around two 10 win seasons. So like, why is Wisconsin still getting more of the benefit of the doubt than Iowa right now? Because recent history would tell us that that should not be the case. Sure. And you know, I mean, that's just kind of you know, that's again, that's kind of where I come from on on uh, this argument when it comes where, to Iowa versus Wisconsin. Brian, where was I? I saw, I saw someone just put in the chat Arkansas as an interesting team. Where were they? They were twenty third. 23rd okay they were 23rd which I can live with I I I so my issue with Arkansas this year is I do think they lost some pretty good players Mm -hmm. I think the receiver they lost is a really good player uh Traylon Burks yeah he's a really good player their schedule is tough I think Mm -hmm. and I think that's the that's going to be the tough part for them they start the season off with Cincinnati that'll be a good game they should win they play Texas A&M on a neutral field that'll be a battle although again winnable they get Alabama at home that's going to mm-hmm. be interesting. Then they play at Mississippi State, which won't be easy. They play at BYU, which won't be easy. They have no. a bye week. Then they play at Auburn. And I don't think Auburn's that good, but Auburn still can beat most teams in the in the SEC at home. Those are right? talent. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. they, as bad as they were last year, they they should have beat Alabama. I mean, they outplayed Alabama mm-hmm. for 59 minutes last year. If, if, if Tank Bigsby didn't run out of bounds two times down the stretch, they beat yep. that. They win that game. Right. Notre Dame probably makes the playoff if that happens. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Freaking yeah. Tank. <clears throat> uh, and then you then you kind of go to they got Liberty at home, so W. Then they got LSU at home. That's a W. Ole Miss at home. I'm curious to see what Ole Miss is going to be this year. I, Jackson right. Dart, we're going to find out if that hype is legit or not. You know, they had a tight end from USC transfer and Michael Treg is also a good football player. They're going to have some talent coming back, right? Their run game still should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then they play at Missouri. And Missouri's either going to be ascending at that time or they're going to be a dumpster fire at that time. And they're going to be yep. one of the two, I think. Yep. And and so that's a challenging schedule, but not an unbearable schedule to where I'm comfortable with Arkansas being in the top 25 because – they showed me some stuff last year, Ryan. Like I, I, I when Sam, I'll be honest. When Sam Pittman was hired, I was kind of like, I kind of chuckled a little bit. I was like, Same. Oh, O line coach, you know what I mean? Like you see him on the recruiting show, and you're like, this guy's a, this guy's an interesting cat. Like you know, I don't see this one. And if, I'm looking at their schedule, and like they got to play Texas and Texas A&M. Yeah. They play at Georgia, at Ole Miss. They got to play at LSU, at Alabama. I'm like, man, it's gonna be a rough first year for Sam Pittman. And you me- know what? He did yeah. pretty good. Nine and four. Oh. I mean, had a good year. 
And I mean, and not just nine and four, like they beat up on some bad teams. They beat, they stomped Texas. Mm-hmm. They beat Texas a by 10. You and I have talked about that game. If KJ Jefferson doesn't go down, it's a even more convincing victory than that. It was not really competitive. They lost by a point in one of the more entertaining games of the season against Ole Miss. They got right. stomped by Georgia and had a bad loss against Auburn, but then they bounced back. They beat Pine Bluff, who stinks, but then they beat Mississippi State. They beat LSU. It's a, it was an ugly win, but they won. They went at L, to LSU and won. And then they battled Bama. I mean, they Bama was the better team that day, and Bama was never threatened to lose. But every time Bama was like acting like they were going to pull away, Arkansas would scrap back. They only lost by a touchdown. I think Arkansas scored the last time or two to make it competitive, but like they didn't quit. And that's right. what happens to a lot of teams that play Bama. They jump on you and they just teams just kind of quit. Sure. Arkansas didn't do that. And that said something to me. And then they they rallied after that and they beat Missouri convincingly and then beat mm-hmm. Penn State convincingly in a bowl game. It was a yep. really good first year for Sam Pittman, in my view. It was it was great. I I had the same thought process when Pittman was hired. I thought he was who was was it Matt Luke was the coach of Ole Miss, right? He was a former offensive lineman, offensive line coach that was the head coach of Ole Miss for a couple years ago before before uh, Lane Kiffin got there, right? I think it was Matt Luke. And mm-hmm. I had the same vibes, man. I was like, he's like a rah-rah guy, you know, he's kind of an offensive line coach. I'm like, Ugh, I, I just kind of saw this in the SEC pretty recently with a different team. And I take back everything I said. I like Sam Pittman, man. Yeah. And Arkansas. Because what was Matt Luke? Rah rah guy, good yeah. online coach, really good recruiter. Yes. Well, that's Sam Pittman. Right. You know, like yep. some of the videos he would do for recruiting, like Harry, he said, would never do something like that. Like, never <laughs> do something like that. Like, you're like, well, how's it going to be? And, you know, we'll see if he can build on it. But year one, pretty good. It was really good. good. And there's talent there. I mean, like you said, losing Traylon Burks is a big deal. But, I mean, their offensive line coming back is, is pretty solid. They got Dalton Wagner coming back for a six-year at right tackle. I think their center, Ricky Stromberg, is one of the best offensive linemen in college football. He's a very good player. K.J. Jefferson, year two, I thought he showed a lot of signs in year one. He has got to be more consistent as a passer, but kind of running that read option, mm-hmm. RPO-heavy system, I, I, I think that he can t- have some growth this year. So I'm excited to see. I mean, on defense, they got guys like B- Bumper Poole coming back, who's a really good college linebacker, Jalen Catalan at safety. I think Arkansas has got something to build off of. So I'm excited for that, man. I think I think 23 may end up being way too low on Arkansas, but we'll see.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.